Hi, welcome back to The CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor of CIO. This is the first of our two-part program on women in IT. It's definitely too big a topic to squeeze into one episode, I'm sure you'll agree. And this episode will feature the first interactive panel conversation for The CIO Show. And we're pleased to have three successful and I have to say very inspiring women currently in leadership roles in the Australian tech sector, sharing with us their experiences and perspectives. Susan Steele, Managing Director of Adobe in Australia and New Zealand, Helen Vardat, the CIO of charity organisation Your Town, and Nicola Burgess, CEO of Established Financial Services Solution Providers Data Action. Also joining us is Guy Holland, partner in charge with KPMG's Digital and Technology Advisory. This is obviously a very important issue. It's a it's a fairly divisive issue. I think there's a lot of myths and and misconceptions about this whole issue of women in IT. We the proportions of women in the technology profession are around hovering just over 20%, which is startlingly low if you think about, you know, other industries. But, you know, the question I think I've put to all of you in previous conversations is, you know, does that mean that there are too few women in tech? I think probably the sensible answer is yes, but how many women in tech is enough? Now, Guy Holland, the partner in charge with KPMG Digital and Technology Advisory. Guy, in, in previous years, you've been involved in the, uh, the Harvey Nash KPMG Global CIO Survey. Can you talk us through a little bit about the sort of most recent data that you have on the proportion, not just the proportion of women in tech generally, but also the proportion of women in senior technology roles, which is something that we, of course, want to get into in this conversation? Yeah, sure. I think um, I've, I've had the pleasure of being involved in the survey for a, a number of years now, and um, the, the thing I like about the, uh, the, the Harvard Nash KPMG CIO survey is the, the broad nature of it and, and the, the volume of uh, respondents that we get. So, you know, typically we're in the sort of four to four and a half thousand respondents globally. Yeah. Uh, it covers between 80 and 90 countries, uh, and it's been going for nearly 20 years now. So, good, solid data, I think from which we can draw not just a, an in-year view or, or perspective, but also the progress that we're, we're making on certain issues um, yeah. and also what, what's the zeitgeist, what's the kind of topic uh, du jour that's uh, on people's minds um, yes. at, at that particular year. Uh, and with respect to, to gender diversity, I, I think you know, disappointingly, despite many companies' efforts, to improve the, the level of gender diversity that they have within their workforce, but in particular in this case within technology, within IT, yeah. there's been there's been very little movement. The latest published results from from the survey for uh, 2019 demonstrate that you know, we've we've moved that collectively mm-hmm. as an industry one percent you know, up from 21 to to 22 percent uh, year on year, and. Uh, I'm I'm not expecting that when the results come out for the survey that we've just closed for this year to to change markedly, but 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 hopefully um, we're we're still pushing up in terms of that upward trend, uh, upward, uh, upward trend. And how how do you think Australia compares globally? Are we on par with you know European countries or the US? I, I, as far as I'm aware, the US probably the US does have a higher proportion of of women in tech broadly and in, in, in um, tech roles, but I suppose it makes a lot of sense because it's essentially an indigenous industry in the US, right? Yeah, I, I think not much better. It's a percentage points different. So Australia's a slightly better than the global average, but yeah. again, I don't think that's anything to, uh, to write home about. And I think as, as hopefully we're going to in the discussion in, in a second, what, what are the underlying reasons for that and what can we do to drive improvement and what is what is the right level of participation? I think they're all questions that we need to be challenging ourselves with um, continuously. Sure. 
Now, Susan Steele is the ANZ Managing Director with Adobe. Susan, we, we, we spoke recently about there's this perception that the tech industry is is somewhat, you know, boring, that is a lot about arcane mathematics. But in reality, it's actually a very creative industry and a very creative Good. profession. I'd be interested in your perspectives on, on, on that from, you know, obviously working for a vendor that is, is very much, you know, ensconced in the creative industries in which a lot of women um, are employed, particularly in marketing. Yeah, look, I mean, as someone who's had a 30-year career in tech, I can tell you it's not as boring as it was 30 years ago, right? Yeah, so, thank God for that, right? That out there. <laughs> thank God for that. Um, you know, in my, in my mind, you know, it, it, being a tech leader today, it really does demand a high level of creativity, yeah. as well as the soft skills that come much more easily, dare I say it, to women. Mm, um, and mm. what we're seeing is in the more female-dominated industries, so such as marketing, Digital skills such as data science, data analytics, and the like are giving women more reason to really engage more closely with tech. Yeah. Um, maybe that's the way that we approach the imbalance. And Nicola Burgess, you're the, the managing director with Australian FinTech uh, Data Action. And we, of course, we use the term FinTech loosely with regard to your organization because you've, in fact, been in this space, well, the company's been in this space for some 30 years. You've made some interesting comments about, you know, looking at the banking industry and the telecommunications industries, both of which you've been involved in, that this move to customer centricity, you know, where the customer is king and and the fact that the customer experience is now, you know, a a really important mantra or really important sort of driver for for tech and how this is potentially an opportunity for women, more women to consider uh, being involved in the tech industry. Could you expand on that for us a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess reflecting on my own experience, I haven't come through the traditional, you know, tech route or CIO route to become leader of this organisation. I think it is more actually around having that empathy and understanding of what the customer needs are and the power base is certainly shifting. Mm. And I, my observation of what's required going forward is particularly coming out of COVID, it's kind of two strong pillars mm. for, for my reflection, and that is carers and coders. Yeah. And how do we get that <laughs> together? And I think it's more about attributes as opposed to traditional mathematics paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. So staying curious, problem solving, communicating, a lot more about those so-called softer skills, I think, is mm. what actually positions incredibly well in fintech, technology, um, or digital transformation roles going forward. Sure. And Helen Vardat, you're the you're the CIO of charity Your Town. We're a national organisation, Your Town. You're national. Uh, so Kids Helpline <laughs> is one of our um, uh, probably most well known services across Australia. Mm-hmm. Any time, any reason, twenty four seven for um, five to twenty five year olds. So I mean, an incredible organisation and service that we. Yeah. Sure. Now you're a woman after my own heart because you were you actually started out thinking about being a journalist. So a somewhat creative profession. Talk me a little talk us through how you ended up to be a CIO from actually being a journalist or at least aspiring to be a yeah, foreign correspondent. That's right. So um, I had I was very much about communication and mm. journalism and I, I needed to work while studying. That was sort of, of my background. And I managed to be able to get a, a role, just pure coincidence, in an IT project that mm. needed some communication activity. That's right. And my sort of career went from there. But my communication background has been 
really what's carried me so yeah. much through through my career, much more than any technical understanding that I have managed to pick up along the way. Sure. And so, and how do you? I mean, how do you feel about being a CIO in such a male-dominated space? I mean, as as I said in the intro, there are very few industries that are so male-dominated. How does it sort of feel? And how do you? How do you think about yourself as a woman as and as a CIO? Yeah, that's oh, that's such a complex question. Mm. <laughs> you always ask such complex questions. I do not. How do I oh, feel no. about this? How do I feel about this? Uh, look, <laughs> it, there's there's so much about diversity. So it's not so much that 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 I try to move away from this male-dominated dialogue and conversation and take it more towards the importance of diversity mm-hmm. you know when when listening to to guy and and the numbers that are out there still like such low percentage in in senior roles mm. what is it that the younger generations that we're not having a greater even percentage of of all types of diversity gender included entering into as susan says a, a, a what is now a very creative very analytical very compassionate, emotional-driven industry as opposed to, mm. um, you know, cables, wires, infrastructure and, and mm. technology. So how I feel about it is, I don't know, it's, it's, it's been my career, my whole career, so it feels normal to me. Yeah, I, I actually get sad when I hear that, that the numbers are still so small because I'd like to think that we have advanced much more than what was it, 10% or something, you know? I'm seeing you take roles, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah the, the, the figures are even worse, actually, for, for um, female leaders. The, yeah. the, the 22% is, mm. is indicative of, of female participation. When we look at females in leadership roles, yeah. um, senior leadership roles, it's uh, it's even lower. It's around about 12%. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Sure, and Nicola, you've 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 made the you've made the comment that women also need to back themselves in order, particularly in order to ascend to senior technology roles, are the sort of roles that you know that all the women on this panel you know currently occupy. I mean, how do how do women how do women do that? I mean, it, it's I, I suppose it's hard coming to an industry where there is such a high proportion of men as a woman, and then how do you then back yourself? Is it even harder to back yourself in IT than other industries? Nicola? I don't know about that. I've moved across a few different industries from, you know, male-dominated industries. You started, in, you started in construction. That's pretty male-dominated, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so professional services, telco, yep. and, uh, you know, Bob's post before and so forth. So, But I think the key thing is, yes, backing yourself, but also having good risk-taking appetite. Yep. And being able to identify opportunities to be ready to grab those, yep. run with those. Yeah. There's a bit of luck involved as well, like anything. But I, I also think to, a key yeah. thing is to have strong sponsorship and mentoring along the way. And I've been a, a benefit of that, beneficiary of that, I should say. Sure. I totally agree with that, um, if I may, David. I mean, I think, I think for us, you know, where we're in these, these senior roles ourselves, it's about paying it forward, right? Yeah. So something I'm absolutely convinced of is that there's some statistics around females. You know, there's the question is about backing yourself. Yeah. Well, females, females won't apply necessarily for roles unless they feel they've got all the attributes and can prove. It's so true, isn't it? Yeah. All the way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a guy, a guy, you know, you may spend have our whole lives winging it, right? 
I wouldn't say that. Five out of the ten requirements for a job, and you're yeah. back in task to go and do it. Whereas a woman, that so we are less, we are less risk averse. Mm. To be perfectly honest, and so you know, we won't go for it unless we've got probably nine out of ten. In many cases, yeah, not you know, not in all cases, we mm. do need to be careful with some of this stereotyping. And yeah. so I feel as a leader in in Adobe's business and beyond, actually, that we need to pay it forward. We need to find those hidden voices and empower every voice. And, you know, we have some great talent in our organization. And they're not necessarily the loudest voices. So how do we identify that? And how do we coach people? And how do we ensure they're lined up for those opportunities? And Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. I mean, I certainly know that I've I've had um, a mentor in my life for over 30 years, believe it or not. He doesn't actually know what I do anymore, to be perfectly honest. Back yourself, no matter what you're doing. Back yourself, whatever you're doing. So he spotted something in me. I was in a startup with him, and he gave me opportunity to fail and fail fast. And really, he's he's been a big part of my my sort of career, my career, right? So I think identifying mentors, finding mentors, but then also finding mentees is is absolutely vital, to be perfectly honest. The whole network piece is important for women. Mm. Men have traditionally been much better at that sure but female networking with sponsors and not just female sponsors is hugely important sure and susan you do quite a lot of mentoring and work yourself at adobe right i do i probably do more than i should do really because um, (laughs) i just (laughs) i love it it's part of you know i love it it's part Mm. of why i've got where i have but i do it both in adobe i also do external uh with not-for-profit and sort of you know global global mentoring as well so sure it, and, and i learn a lot from it i yeah. learn a lot as much as i give i give a lot i learn a lot yeah obviously it's quite it's a very very edifying experience being a um being a mentor as well i mean it's it's i think i think you're right susan it's important for the whole network and st- look staying with you susan it's interesting that you you started out with a startup of sorts and yeah. if we look at the, and I'm sure Guy, you'd agree with this. If you look at the the numbers of women in the startup space, it's like you virtually don't exist there at all. Yeah. And That's I think right. it's very it's interesting that that you know you are where you are now, and it, and it was a very formative experience for you being involved in a in a startup. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was at a business called Countrywide in in the UK that mm. was a startup, and I was employee number two. And the gentleman I mentioned, who was my mentor, was employee number one. Yeah. Um, and it was chaos. I was in my early 20s, but, but it was such fun. The pace and, you know, the pace and the success that came with it was, was amazing. Yeah. But it was only like that because I had somebody backing me who gave me permission to fail and fail fast. Yeah. And I learned from it. And, you know, I think, uh, to be honest, I think everybody should work in a startup at some point in their career because it does yeah. really give you a great appreciation when you end up in a big corporate, to be yeah, honest. Absolutely. Of what, you know, what goes on. So I've worked in three three different startups and, and loved it, you know, and I think it, it builds good, um, I describe it as building good muscle memory for the corporate world. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, no doubt, no doubt, for emotional fortitude as well. It's tough working in startups, so no <laughs> resilience and resilience. Yeah. You need resilience. Yeah. 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 This, this, it's an interest, interesting all all the conversations that we had prior to this program this sort of broader question of diversity has come up and it's it's an interesting concept in this in this topic i mean some people might view it as deflecting from you know the important conversation about gender balance but 
Helen, you and I spoke about about this, and and you you had some fairly candid things and, and honest things to say about you know the different points in your career where you've, the pennies dropped for you. Like, hey, it's important to know how different people think. Um, mm. Yeah, tell me tell me a little bit about that. For, and obviously, your organisation is is fairly diverse. I know, I know your IT team is not terribly gender diverse, but that's something that you might be correcting. But on that broad, broader point yeah. of diversity and just gen, you know having a, a wider sense. Um, number of perspectives I thought that was a really interesting comment yeah yeah I think and that's and that's, this topic is it's a, such a big topic mm. you know, gender diversity women in IT it's it's been tackled so many times and so many different um from angles and part of the, the the you know sort of comments back to guy and the numbers is like with all this dialogue with all this progression the numbers aren't sounding like we're we are progressing. What was sort of disappointing to hear with the numbers Guy was putting through there is mm. that it doesn't feel like we've made the progress that I that I like to think that we have because mm. we've moved significantly past the point of where um, capability was was a problem. Where because you're a woman, you're not capable. I, I think we're well and truly moved past that globally, you know, and especially here in Australia that that. Gender doesn't impact capability in, in these, these fields. But the bigger conversation needs to happen, I do think, around diversity. And it's not we need X number of women and X number of men. Mm. It's the power and the potency that you get in problem solving and yeah. cultures and organisations when you bring true diversity. And it's not just the gender, it's the way you think, the way you understand, your cultural background, the way I, as a female and my upbringing, will look at a problem and my levels of resilience would be significantly different to Susan's. And that level of diversity, and then this is the part where leadership comes in, where I think as sort of Susan, you know, dared to say, and I I must admit, I agree that, that women sort of lean into those more softer emotional leadership capabilities of bringing that together, harnessing that, having that compassion and going, being able to talk about these different points of view and turn it into something incredible. And I think that's the, the, the part I like to discuss in diversity is bringing true diversity to the table. But I think it must stay in this world of social discourse of why young women aren't entering in the first place. You yeah. know, if we're going up the food chain and the numbers are, you know, smaller and smaller and smaller, what is it that we still don't have uh, uh, the cohort and the, the young women thinking of IT and technology as an industry, as a career? Yeah. You know, one of the things, David, you and I spoke to, and I think it's such an important message, is, is around the understanding organisations now they are digital businesses you know we've seen this through global pandemic those that were not able to digitally adapt and continue to operate have really struggled and that lends itself to greater flexibility Mm. and and we we often know and it's i hate to stereotype but a lot of women wear many hats they're the mother the cook the the car runner the 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 work of the employee the the gardener the everything and IT, it really a tech, a tech degree, a tech study, tech, you know, career path is actually a very suitable <laughs> career path for working mums. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I don't know 
why we don't have more. <laughs> <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, that none of the women on this panel actually have computer science degrees, yet you are all in senior tech roles. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, correct. That's right. pretty interesting, don't you think, Guy? I mean, there's a lot of talk about, hey, we need to get more girls studying STEM, but it's, I mean, if there's a... 16-year-old girl about to go into year 11 at high school listening to this panel, what would make compel her to enrol in a STEM degree? <laughs> I, I think there's some great points that have been made and I've been nodding furiously at, um, at, at <laughs> Helen. And, and, uh, we have, to, we have to let the other male back into the conversation now. I'm sorry, ladies. <laughs> 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 um, the, um, the, I was really seduced by what Susan was saying around the sort of design, the creative element of it, really. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the part of part of the mystique, another positive mystique about technology roles, I think, is that you have to you know, be be really good at coding or understand how to how to knit wire together in, yeah. in order to get computers to talk to each other. And it was so far away from that. And and I think, you know, if I look at my ten year old daughter and and what she's doing in, in that creative space yep. using technology already. Mm. She gets it. So so it gives me hope for the future that we we're disassociating uh, that, that having technology element of it from what actually a modern role in technology actually means. And, and the titles that we use to describe people's roles, you know, moving away from user interface designer to, um, you know, to somebody that's creating a, a, a digital experience. Mm. I think I think they have, we have a role to play there in making sure that we're describing that broader spectrum of ecosystem and what you can do to create a really positive experience for people using technology mm. um, without having to be at the cold face and sitting there cutting code. Yeah, it, it, it is so much more than that. So I think that was, a, that was a great point. And and also what Helen was saying about capability, I think, yeah, for sure, we shouldn't discourage uh, females from, from taking degrees in computer science if that's the route they want to go down. But we shouldn't be pushing them down that route if that's not where they want to go and where they want to see their role being played. I think... Uh, and again, we've done we've done a lot of work. And if you look at the figures of participation, I think it was, it was Helen again that made the point about the further up the food chain we go, the the, the, the higher the drop off rate, if you like, or the lower the participation rate of females. And it's true. I see it in my business, and I see it in uh, I see it in a lot of clients' businesses as well. And so I think the access and and the, the message around what you can do, we're getting there with that. Much more to do, but we're getting there. And people see the roles and the set assignment in those roles. It's the level of continuous participation and that desire to stay in that industry um, that, that is something we need to think about and answer our attention to, I think. And you know, when Helen was describing all of those, the, the multiplicity of roles that, 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 that women um, perform, you know, I can't help thinking that maybe through serendipity and, and by by moving to this this online world we're in at the moment and, and shifting how we're working, um, maybe there's, there's something there we need just to stare into and say, is that a way for us to continually make a role in technology more sticky to people that have got a lot of other distractions in their lives? Sure. So, so I think it's yeah. serendipity there. I think that. Sorry, if I can just chime in again. I mean. I think Please chime in, everybody. In Adobe, <laughs> Adobe is that, you know, we need to get to a business to a level where technology is really just an extension of ourselves. Mm. We, we shouldn't think about technology in a silo. And it's really interesting. We've been doing some work um, with the Australian government recently and, you know, talking about is technology not now an essential service? Yeah. You know, let's think about that in this time of COVID-19, technology is an essential service. And so... How do we how do we 
stop thinking about it purely as technology and think it more as um, an enabler for creativity and innovation. I think mm. if we talk more to it like that, then you know there's a real opportunity for us to get the diversity around the table. And I fully, fully endorse what Helen said around diversity and then inclusion of um, that diverse audience is really important. And having people from different cultures, different ages, people with all sorts of different muscle memory yeah. to address problems. We've seen that when you put you put a group of people together who've never worked together before and they're completely different, they will solve problems much quicker yeah. than long established teams actually. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I wonder if, if we're asking the wrong questions in the survey. Just have this kind of light bulb moment here. Just saying, <laughs> well, go out and ask you know, how many female CIOs are there? Um, yeah. you know, we, we're going to continuously get the wrong answer, really. Um, if, if we're asking for the level of participation of, of females in, in technology in its broadest context, then we, we, we need to be thinking about um, participation in, in parts of businesses that are heavily reliant on technology. Yeah. Where the technical literacy of leaders in that business, female mm. or male, but in case female, is very high. If you yeah. need to be. Um, mm. they, they just don't happen to be running a, an IT department. Uh, mm. so I think. That's a great point, Guy. Sorry, Helen, yeah. Sorry, that's a, that's a really yeah. great point there, Guy. It's, it's just sort of a little bit to the conversation that, that I spoke to about this previously is that the, convers- the, the, the traditional world of tech and IT department really needs to be broken down and broken okay. down quickly. And a, a degree, it doesn't even need to, need to study, a career, um, you know, a, a pathway into digital services and and that whole industry is that's part of the conversation that i'm not sure we're having enough of yet it, it's a little bit still too boxed in numbers of women versus men in it yeah. and and it's so linear in its in its in its discussion and 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 i wonder if that's why we don't we're not getting the progress or the momentum that we we require yeah. um and we actually you know, there's a, there's a paradigm shift that needs to happen where digital and tech industry career is 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 all of these things actually. Mm, it's mm. not just that, and therefore our participation rate and our pool of senior and experienced women to draw on to fill these CIO roles also becomes a wider pool of of um, you know right. capable leaders. Mm. Yeah, I mean, my, my my background is in technology, but you know, I I I wouldn't want to, and, and never really wanted to choose a career in sort of heavy heavy engineering end of, of technology. I, I, I did it at the start of my career, but um, you know, was, was drawn away from that. So does, does that make me a statistic, or does that make me somebody who's just excited and motivated by by other things? Sure. And Nicola, you you obviously work with a lot of organisations in the in the banking sector, very heavy heavily data focused. But uh, as we've spoken about before, you know, really about customer experience. Be interested in in you expanding a little bit on 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 that um, industry and the opportunity for women in that space. I mean, obviously, you combine banking and tech, you don't get much more male dominated than that. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting. I think the point I just like to echo uh, having heard the discussion just then is I, I hate treatment on consideration of technology as a silo. I see it as very much a, a lateral sign yeah. and it's a, it is an enabler. It's not a, you know, end-to-end 
pace in terms of just a closed shop. It's something that actually should thread through almost like a golden thread in an organisation as a key capability. And if we haven't learned anything else through this COVID experience, the winners in the new world are those that are able to adapt and show the ability to be, to use a well-worn term, agile. What we're focusing on with our clients is being the banking sector is to help them with how they can enable better experiences with their own customers, you know, people like you and I, who want to have friction taken out of, you know, interactions and transactions, whether it's paying for a transaction, you know, your, your kid's birthday party at McDonald's or whether it's putting forward you know, a mortgage loan application. Mm. How do we enable our banking clients to provide those better experiences which are trusted, frictionless, safe and secure? And I I just can't help but think technology is just a wonderful enabler for that and and can get us there faster. Sure. And Nicola, at at Data Action, you've got, is it it 60-40 men to women? So quite a high proportion, definitely higher than the industry average for women in your company. Yeah, we do. Um, I'm really proud of that. And I'm also very proud of the fact that we've got a very culturally diverse organisation mm. ranging from Malaysian, Philippines, the Philippines, uh, China, India, UK, USA mm. as well in terms of people we, we attract into yeah. the organisation. I'm also very conscious of creating career pathways and that starts at university. And so we do work with universities to provide, you know, work experience programs sponsorship and interns so we're you know yeah getting insights into talent and influencing that and, and drawing it through so there's a there's a pull effect as well in terms of the war for talent and encouraging that not only in a gender-based way sure and nicola do you have any do you have any any anecdotes to share with us for instance of of young women from university that might have come and spent time at your organization and and been quite surprised about what they've discovered and what they've learned couple who have come in in more recent times and they might have come in for what you would probably traditionally describe as a coding type role but through some of the opportunities we've had we've been able to extend that thinking using the attribute piece rather Mm. than just a pure narrow view of a job spec and have got involved with you know cx design user center you know human center design in terms of new product development right so providing that that lateral reach across the organisation and, and creating more of a lateral career path as opposed to just a linear view of the world. That's interesting. I, I want to get now into the controversial thorny issue of quotas. We all have our, our views about that. And we'll probably shift you know, our views on quotas, particularly the women on the panel, are probably fairly fluid. I mean, on the one hand, you know, you could argue you know, this is the most um, expeditious way to address the balance, but then what does that you know what does that say about women if you know they need to, they can only get roles if they are sort of forced into them and um, or uh, if the path is made easier for them than a, a male uh, rival candidate. Nicola, you said something very interesting that you're open um, and pragmatic about quotas, and you said sometimes you need circuit breakers to level things out. Yeah, I think look each organisation or each sector or society needs to look at, I think hard at this as to really how are we going to shift the needle? Um, we've already spoken today about the very slow progress. It feels like it's walking through treacle uh, a lot of the time in terms of really pushing the numbers up. And I think sometimes you've you just got to throw 
something else into the mix. And if it's a quota, you know, you get what you measure yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. And if people, if, you know, we've seen that through the ASX board quotas too at board level. Sure. Uh, I think a couple of years ago, it became a mandated requirement to get to at least 30%. And guess what? We're closer to that now. Indeed. And Helen, you, yeah, you, I mean, you, you revealed to me recently that you had been the beneficiary of affirmative action, tongue in cheek, I think you will possibly. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, just um, uh, uh, sort of call out Nicola's point there because I, I'm, I'm actually one that uh, I struggle with the numbers and the, and the, you know, setting a target and a goal. And I think we do get what we measure, but it's a very good point that Nicola's just raised there about mm. actually setting a goal and a target because then that gives you something to work and aim towards. And, and, and we did see that, right? So, you know, I think in Queensland state government, we're really clear about setting a, a 50 or 51% target on women in sports and, and, and met that. So mm. there is, there's definitely, you know, a point to it, but yeah, I, I did sort of make a, the, the, the cheeky comments there, which is true, but sometimes you almost automatically are going to, going to get a, at least a conversation with someone because you're, you're the, the, the one only woman that put your application in, you yeah. know, I think sometimes just, just put your application in, you know. You'll stand out just because you're the only one. Well, <laughs> so, that's, that's actually uh, what we've been saying about it, the uh, the CIO 50 this year, just to give ourselves a bit of a plug. Women, get your entries in. Sorry, Helen, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's – that's, that's and, then, and then you sort of talk to the, the, the being qualified or not and, and – um, you know, I'm sure a lot of women would sit there and just say, oh, I can't, I'm not putting my name for that. I haven't achieved anywhere near enough. You know, we can be very hard on ourselves on, on what, what we feel we need to have achieved to be worthy of, of spoken about. So um, yeah. it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic that, that we go through. But yeah, there, there was a certain point in, in my career where, you know, I started to, to work out that I ticked a few of the, the boxes that, that I, you know, I, I had olive skin, I, <laughs> I had an interesting background, I was a female, I was in construction, I was in mining, I was in IT. Mm. I just hit so many minority boxes that by just employing me, I think I, I, I hit a few quotas. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, your, back, your, background's Iran, your background's Iranian, isn't it, Helen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. People well, associate the Iranians right. with, with genius yeah. mathematicians, so maybe a bit of that sort you of know, helped exactly. you out too. Exactly, and, <laughs> and I lived my life by taking the luck with the opportunity and then really go with it because mm. was, I, was I raised you know, in Iran, I, I probably wouldn't even have gotten an education. So, mm. you know, there's, there's that sort of flip of the coin for, for women in other parts of the world. I think it's important that we, we're predominantly talking right now about, you know, Western women and Western women's career because there is a, a, a vast majority of, of women globally that this kind of conversation is so far beyond where their, you know, equality and their rights are that it's, that it's, you know, almost embarrassing for us. Yeah. But, yeah, there is a point where you do work out that, yeah, you're the only one that applied. doesn't mean that you're not qualified and it doesn't mean that I haven't had to sort of, as Susan said, the resilience, the, the, the how hard you have to work to to just stand still is pretty phenomenal. Um, yeah, sure. But it's also why it's wonderful to hear in Susan's role how much she sort of is, 
mentoring and and putting the time in and paying it forward because it's there's definitely I think a lot of women out there in in quite senior roles that have got some pretty fascinating war stories to tell of what it took to get there. Yeah, and and Susan, you yeah. actually you actually did come from the the war zones of of Northern Ireland, as it happens. It, it, yes, I did. Yeah. We were evacuated from Northern Ireland uh, during the Troubles just after Bloody Sunday. Yeah. So, um, and if that hadn't happened to me, I don't know if I'd be where I am today. You know, mm. it's uh, um, and then really somebody spotted something in me that I didn't even know I had myself. So, yeah. as leaders, we have to look out for that. Um, I just want to comment on the quota. Uh, point yes um it's really interesting you know what you know if you don't measure it you don't know it um of course we've done at adobe we've we've coined a new term called opportunity parity um as an organization we achieved global pay parity in 2018 Mm -hmm. um which we're incredibly incredibly proud of which just deals with inequality of women and men doing the same role in the same location and we continue to monitor that um, every year to keep us on track. But we've lo- I love this term actually um, that Adobe at Adobe we've put, we've coined, which is opportunity parity. And what that means is, are we being fair in our promotions and our horizontal movement across groups? Sure. Right. So because it's it's okay, you know, thinking about quotas for people coming into the org, but what about people moving up and across the org? Yeah. And so that's something that we are measuring now and reporting on um, and it, and closing the gap to make sure that no matter where you are in our organization, everybody gets a fair chance of the next move. And it's not just upwards, mm. it's horizontal. And a lot of women through their careers will move more horizontally before they move up because mm. of their family situation. They don't necessarily want to take on the big gig and be working, you know, 15, 20 hours a day that some people end up having to work. Mm. And so giving people opportunity to move upwards and horizontal, I think, is is another great thing to measure because it's not just when you're hiring people in, it's what you do with them when they're there. That's sure. a great point. Great point. I think uh, just, just on the, the subject of targets or quotas, the, you know, the, the world revolves around them. You know, it, 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 and corporates revolve around them. And, and, sure. and you know, we set targets for sales, breaking into new markets, launching, developing and launching new products. Yeah. So, so we shouldn't be afraid of having targets. They do focus the mind. Yeah. And they do focus behavior mm. in the direction yeah. that the organization wants to drive into. And sure. certainly my own personal experience of them, and, and, and I have them, uh, is <laughs> uh, it, does, it does make you step back. It does make you ask, ask different questions. Um, and... It does make you engage in conversations that potentially that you you may have made assumptions about and, and shown you the conscious or unconscious bias previously yeah. um, too. So so for me, uh, I think it's a positive step forward to 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 use what might feel like a very blunt instrument to actually change behaviour, not to change the numbers in the business, yeah. because the numbers are a function of the change of behaviour um, that that those targets or quotas are, are trying to engender. Sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of a recalibration, really, isn't it? And as you say, Susan, if you don't measure it, you don't know it. Um, yeah. Guys, look, I want to thank you all so much for, for being part of this. I think it was a fascinating conversation. Hopefully we can move this conversation forward with this little old podcast. But thanks very much for your time. And we, um, we look forward to seeing more women involved in the technology industry in the future. And just to put a little plug in for ourselves again, 
any female CIOs or women or people that are around female CIOs, please think about entering the CIO 50 this year. We'd love to see more women at the top of the ranks there. Thank you very much, everyone, and let's talk soon. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks. Lovely. Nice thanks. to meet everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, for our next episode, we'll be hosting our second panel of experts discussing this issue of women in tech, this time with a more universal, academic, and dare we say, philosophical slant. We hope you can join us.